Welcome to the Choose You Now podcast. I'm Juliana Hever, your host, and I'm really happy to introduce my amazing colleague and friend, Dr. Michael Clapper. He's a graduate of the University of Illinois College of Medicine in Chicago. He has practiced acute care medicine in Hawaii, Canada, California, Florida, and New Zealand, and for the past 35 years, has been focusing upon health-promoting food and lifestyle choices to help prevent the need for hospitalization and surgery. Through his website, drclapper.com, visitors can find the latest health information through his numerous articles and videos, subscribe to his free newsletter, Medicine Capsule, and support his Moving Medicine Forward initiative to get applied nutrition taught in medical schools. This man is so full of wisdom and has some extraordinary things to say about life. It was such a beautiful story, and I'm sure it will inspire you as well. Hello, Dr. Clapper. Hey, Juliana. Hi. Good to speak with you and your listeners. So excited to have you. I could tell my audience all of the amazing stories. I've known you for quite a while now, over a decade. I remember when I first met you, I was interviewing you for an infotainment documentary, and um, we talk, we've talked on panels together, we've taught classes together, we've been in all these different forums. But today I wanted to talk about something a little bit different than we normally, what we're used to. And that is, you know, no one would ever question when they see you speak or hear you teach or watch you on stage or listen to you or even read your social media posts. No one would question that you are on purpose in this life, like you are here to change the world. And I wanted to dig deeper into like how you knew your path, how you found this path. We, the, the name of this podcast is Choose You Now. And you obviously have been living on that path for decades. And I'm curious about like how that started for you and more of a discovery of how you found this this place in the world that is literally changing the way people think about medicine and health. Oh, my. <laughs> well, uh, that would have to be uh, examined in uh, you know, several different segments. There was when I was a little boy, uh, how I knew I was going to be a physician. And uh, that's, you know, it's always been my dream. And I spent my first 16 summers on my uncle's dairy farm in northern Wisconsin. And, and so up in the um, uh, up in Wisconsin in the 50s, my my uh, every summer was filled with animals and thunderstorms and canoeing and forests and uh, and hard work and driving tractors and families and uh, the natural world. And everyone, as soon as I walked out the door, there were there were frogs and uh, and foxes and hawks and deer and and it, it, that was the real world. When I would go back after the summer to go to school in Chicago, yeah, it, it, I enjoyed being in school, but I had this window into this magical world, and and the the natural world was so beautiful. And it was so true that you could rely on natural law. Water always flowed downhill. And, uh, and after, you know, you see a lightning bolt and you could, you could count the, the, the seconds to determine how far away the bolt was when you heard the thunder uh, clap. And, uh, and, and the natural world started making great sense to me. And so 
Uh, I wanted to uh, study biology when I when I got into school. It's by far my favorite subject. And I was the kid on the farm that always wanted everything to be okay. If there was a hurt animal or, or my cousin or, or anything <laughs> in, be, in, in between, uh, I'd, I'd be the one who wanted to patch them up and make sure everything was, everybody's okay uh, in, in the ship there. And uh, so those uh, naturally came together, my love for biology and my desire for things to be okay. Uh, there, there was no other path for me than to become a physician. And and, and I'm, to this day, I still want to make sure everybody's okay and, uh, and try to, to heal everybody's injuries. And so, um, so I've always been comfortable in being a physician. I knew I was going to be a physician just since I was a kid, and I've just grown into it. I can't imagine doing anything else. Uh, and then, um, and then a, a couple of, of factors uh, unfolded. I've told the story before there that made that got me to the point where I had to stop eating animals. It, it was a strange, strange uh, mini journey, I guess, that all humans go through uh, on the farm. I, you know, I just love the animals; they're so magical, and yet I. When it came time for dinner, I watched my brother chop the head off the chickens, and and I watched um, the, when the dairy cows stopped giving milk. The, uh, my uncle would call the man from the slaughterhouse. He'd come out and shoot them in the head and load them on the truck, and uh, and and so I saw the violence. I saw the death inherent in putting meat on the table. Yeah, and yet, you know, down comes that curtain in your heart, you know, that something you make it okay. Well, that's just the way it is. And, and, and that's what the grown-ups are doing. And you don't question it. And that's just the way of the world. And, and, and then as, you know, fast foods came in, I remember the first McDonald's going up, you know, we get further and further removed from where food really comes from. And soon it's just chicken nuggets on the plate there or a burger on the bun. And, uh, and, and we were able to, to uh, sterilize the whole process. And so I fell into that sleep like everybody else. And I ate meat for uh, my first 34 years. Uh, just, and, and so you'll never see me shaking my finger at anybody who's still now uh, practicing uh, uh, so has animal flesh in their diet because I know what it's like to sleep that sleep. When you, if you don't know, you don't know. And our job is to lovingly help people uh, awaken to the truth of it. So, um, so tooth. So I was uh, going to be, I thought, just a standard American eater until 1981. I was a, <clears throat> a resident in anesthesiology in Vancouver, British Columbia. And uh, two, uh, two very powerful, uh, undeniable forces, uh, messages made themselves very manifest. One was what I was seeing in the operating room every day. I was on the cardiovascular anesthesia service, I'm, uh, people, dealing with people's clogged up arteries in their hearts. And uh, day after day, I'm putting people to sleep. And I'm watching surgeons open their chest and open the arteries in their heart and pulling this yellow, greasy guck out of their arteries called atherosclerosis. And that clogs them up and causes heart attacks and strokes. And uh, one day I'm watching a surgeon pull out a particularly rubbery, slithery piece of the stuff out of the artery. And the 
uh, I think to myself, boy, that stuff looks like chicken fat. And uh, a little voice on my shoulder said, there's a good reason why it looks like chicken fat, doctor. <laughs> it is It is chicken fat and cow fat and pig fat and the fat of this, the animals this man was eating. And because there were already studies in the medical journal in the 80s uh, saying what this stuff is and uh, and how you can melt it away with a plant-based diet. Uh, Dr. Frey Ellis had already published studies. And, and so I, I knew the physiology behind it. But also, my dad died of clogged arteries, and, uh, and his legs are already turning blue. He's already showing signs of acid disease. I clearly have those genes, and I knew if, if I didn't change my diet, it was going to be me on that operating table with that striker saw going up my sternum, and I sure didn't want that. So I was getting a, a left-brained medicine, medical message from the operating room that you should change your diet, doc, and stop eating all these animals. Um, but then along with that, sorry to drag this out, but if you wanted to know how it came to be, um, uh, when I was a fourth year med student in Chicago, I'd spend my Saturdays in the trauma unit at Cook County Hospital and watch the worst of what humans did to each other, the, all the, the shotgun blasts and the Saturday night specials and the machete chops and I would leave there on Sunday morning just shaking what I had seen humans do to each other. And I vowed if, if I couldn't get the, rid of the world of violence, I'd at least get it out of my own life. And I, I started making a, a serious study of living a life of nonviolence. There is an ancient and honorable tradition of that called Ahimsa. And I started reading the Mahatma Gandhi and the Indian saints about, about living a life of nonviolence and embarked upon that path to the best of my ability. And everything has fallen into place ever since. Uh, in the operating room, um, to, to finish this, my evolution, I, uh, when I stopped eating animals, my body loved it. But within 12 weeks, a 20-pound spare tire of fat melted off my waist. My high blood pressure went to normal. My high cholesterol went to normal. I felt great waking up in a nice, lean, light body every day. And at that point, I knew I didn't want to be an anesthesiologist and spend my career putting people to sleep. I'd rather go back to general practice and help them wake up. And <laughs> so, uh, so I did. And I, I left the anesthesia with six months to go in my residency, much to my parents' dismay. And I went back to general practice and found some people who give plant-based cooking lessons. I would send my patient to them. And those patients who could make the transition experienced the same wonderful changes. They got leaner, their arteries opened up, their high blood pressure went down, their diabetes got better, their joints stopped hurting, their migraine headaches got better, their asthmatic lungs stopped wheezing so much. They turned into healthy people right before my eyes. And yeah, it's, it's the greatest thrill in medicine. And I tell my colleagues, I'm, I'm the happiest doctor I know. My, my patients get healthy right for my eyes. You've seen it yourself, of course, many times. So um, so that's uh, that was 35 years ago, and I've been a plant-based doc ever since. Uh, but uh, two years ago, as I realized as much as I enjoy helping patients get healthy, it's too slow for a process for what we need to do. I need to reach the medical students. And, and give them the lecture I wish someone had given me 50 years ago. It, it's, it's what your patients are eating, doctor. That's why they're sitting in front of you, obese and diabetic and hypertensive and clogged up and inflamed. 
and get them on a whole food plant-based diet and most of these diseases go away and you need to know that somebody needs to tell you that and to cause to withhold that information from the patient is unethical and, and and real patients are dying on real operating tables from real operations from that they don't need if they could heal themselves on the inside with a healthy diet so for the last two years we've been focusing on reaching the medical students through our moving medicine forward initiative and uh, I was going around meeting, uh, uh, went to, to almost 30 medical schools last year, and the students are very open to the message. Uh, <clears throat> in every medical school class now, there's 20 or 30 students. They've seen forks over knives. They've seen what the hell. They've seen conspiracy. The, the light's on. These kids are awake already, and, and I want to validate uh, their understandings of this. And uh, so that's what I thought I would be doing for the rest of my career. But uh, along comes COVID-19 and uh, this forced us to go online. And so I put the material on a, uh, in an online course, a 12 unit uh, course on uh, as a master class in plant-based clinical nutrition. And uh, you were uh, nice enough and professional enough to lend your talents to uh, master class number 11 that we had. Uh, to uh, help people make this transition successfully. So um, so I've been trying to transform my my colleagues' understanding of the, what they're looking at when that obese, hypertensive, diabetic, inflamed patient comes in, doctor. It's not etiology unknown. Uh, <laughs> it's not, you know, the toxins in the water. You know, there might be toxins in the water, but... but I tell them before you order another $1,000 scan and another $500 lab test, stop. Ask them what they ate yesterday. And and if it's full of burgers and buffalo wings and pepperoni pizzas, that's why they're sitting in front of you, doctor. Send them to the plant-based dietitian, um, a a long underappreciated colleague, and let her do the counseling. Let her show them the videos. Let her analyze the diet and, uh, and and take their take them under her wing and or his wing, and you see them back in a month and and watch if they're not lighter and leaner and doing better and uh, that's how medicine should be practiced. We got to yes. incorporate the dietitian onto the yes. clinical team. We say right. results are typical because they do get better. They but do. I, that actually yeah. brings me back to something I wanted to ask you, but it's kind of like there's a twist now, because. You and I, when we were, well, I, when I was in graduate school for nutrition and I went to medical school, I've sat in on medical school classes and I teach doctors and stuff now in the last 15 years. But back when I was studying, you know, and then being and going to this place of choosing, for instance, a vegan diet, which is completely inconsistent with what we're taught in graduate school and medical school, and then practicing in a healthcare field which is against what everyone else is saying. So we that is a an act of choosing yourself, no matter what happens around you. But what's so cool about what you just said is that it's kind of coming full circle, where now you're we're teaching, you're teaching, you're inspiring those people to change the actual messaging behind it. So like, do you remember what it was like? Because you said you, you went back, you got you you went away from anesthesia and you decided to practice in this way and you went against the norm. Do you remember feeling any resistance there or just, was it all just, um, 
it sounds like it all flowed and sounds really easy in retrospect, but how was it back then compared to what it's like now? Sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, no, they called me the nuts and berries doctor at the hospital. And, <laughs> uh, and very few other doctors referred patients to me. And, and it was sad and frustrating, uh, both for, the, for what I knew the patients were being deprived of and what the doctors are being deprived of. You know, so many doctors are leaving medicine, disillusioned. Ah, my patients, they're all getting fatter and sicker. They're all getting strokes. They're all going to need stents. That's right, doctor. If you don't talk to them about what they're eating, that's what you're going to see. Yep, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. But if you get real with about what they're eating and get them on a plant-based diet, these you get to witness this wonderful transformation. But uh, but no, as you absolutely said, this is a this is this is iconoclastic uh, and anathema um, to the uh, this is heresy to the standard medical model, which thrives on both etiology unknown. We don't really know the cause of these diseases, so all we could do is control the symptoms. And I didn't go into medicine to manage chronic disease. I went in to cure people, and these diseases are, are eminently reversible. But um, but it it breaks their intellectual model. It breaks their financial model because if everybody adopts this diet, there's going to be a lot fewer coronary artery bypasses and a lot fewer um, stents done, <clears throat> coronary artery stents and, and those kind of procedures, um, the gastric bypasses, etc. And um, and doctors are eating the same foods themselves, and, and they're 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 not going to tell their Patients don't eat meat when they're eating steaks and lobster themselves. So um, it's a it's a multi-headed hydra that we uh, that we're uh, confronting here, and it's easy to get discouraged. And there are days uh, that when I look at meat consumption going up in in, in many countries, uh, it's easy to get discouraged. Uh, but you know the the Texas Rangers say there's there's no stopping a man or a woman. Now, who knows their right and keeps on coming. I mean, there's no choice at this point. The, the truth is the truth. And once you look behind the curtain, you can't pretend you don't know what's behind the curtain. And I, I owe it to the patients. I owe it to the, the, tr the truth of medicine, of medical practice. I have a slide in my presentation at the end, and I tell them this is going to be, this, this is going to be a button-pushing question. But I, I have a slide. I list all these diseases, diabetes, hypertension, uh, uh, clogged arteries, et cetera. And I, I click the slide. The word reversible comes in, um, in front of all of them because they are reversible diseases. And then I click it and I said, here's that question. Knowing how reversible these all these major killer diseases that you're going to spend the majority of your professional lives treating, knowing how reversible they are with a plant-based diet, click do you want to heal these patients or don't you? I mean, really, why is you going to medicine? You want to heal these patients, really? Then get real about what they're eating, doctor. Because, again, these are dietary diseases you're looking at. But if you're just going to see them once a month to raise their metformin dosage and raise their beta blocker dosage and tell them you ought to lose some weight and come back in two months, you'll leave medicine. Uh, they're all going to, it's going to be very unsatisfying. But if you want to heal these patients, then realize you're, you've got that, you know, you're, the word doctor comes from the same root as doctrine, as teacher. You know, you, you, you've got, there's teaching to be done here. And if you can set a good example and enthusiastically impart this information to the patient, they do change. 
I mean, what is it? We're asking them to choose the bean chili instead of the beef chili. You know, it's not that big a sacrifice, but it makes all the difference in the world, you know, to go to a, from an animal-based diet to a plant-based diet. Yeah. So, but it's, but it's a tough sell. It is. But, but it what, is. It, what gives me hope, uh, there's a couple of things. Yeah, going full circle here. So, you know, this is a David and Goliath thing here. But um, Goliath is vulnerable. Um, the it's a, the 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 uh, after the cows have left the barn, medicine that we're playing at the catch up, the stents and the bypasses and all of that. It's expensive. Um, it doesn't you know it doesn't cure the patient. Uh, they they still get their heart attacks and strokes. And and the young people, the newer generation, the, as I said, they've seen films. They, the, the cat's out of the bag. They know that a lot of these diseases are reversible. They just need validation of that. And the insurance companies know that, if they, that the patients that are eating healthy, they require less medical care. And so there's a financial incentive. <clears throat> there's a... Um, um, uh, there's ways to structure insurance compensation so uh, people uh, get paid for staying healthy. Uh, and uh, you can, uh, for, for every heart attack that doesn't happen, the insurance company is sitting on a quarter million dollars. Well, they'll be glad there, there are, there's actuary-based, uh, uh, quality-based compensation where the insurance company will pay the doctor $10,000 a year for keeping uh, patient X healthy uh, because the, you know, all the money they save from not doing this. Uh, the, the bean counters need to change the way the beans are flowing, but it's doable. Yes. It's, yes. it's doable. And, mm-hmm. and Dr. K, what you said, what you have this beautiful quote on your website, and it's that, I'm going to quote you, Health is having a body that moves without pain, breathes without distress, and allows us to perform the activities of life with complete presence and focused energy. Then we can love fully and enjoy our love lives to the fullest. And that is quite literally the essence of this show. It's all about choosing you now and having all of that come together full circle. What would you give advice in terms of besides you know your medical advice, your nutrition advice, which obviously I'm 100% on the same page as you about all of that. What would you advise people, not just your patients, to find that flow, like the way you did it, the way you just knew and you followed your heart and you followed all the signs and the messages and and everything just flowed. And now you've inspired, I don't know, hundreds of thousands, if not more people with that that um, alignment that you were in from a young age, like your path was very clear and um, it's been very effective. So what advice would you give to the person that's dealing with all of the no's and you shouldn't and you shouldn't and you can't and you won't? What would you say to them? Oh, my. Uh, thank you for this, for the opportunity to, to speak from my heart, uh, which is really where so much of this came from. The Once I knew the, the truth, and, and we'll get to the medical side, but once I knew the truth of animal-based meats and, and animal-based, I hate to use the word foods, but uh, where meat and dairy really comes from uh, and all the suffering involved. I, I will be forever haunted by a poster I saw on uh, the uh, wall at the Farm Animals Reform Movement. And uh, for your listeners not aware, um, 
um, cow, dairy cows uh, are constantly made pregnant. Uh, they carry their baby for nine months. They have their baby. And then my uncle, the, the dairy the dairymen, I won't say they're farmers, uh, takes the calf away to suck the milk off the mother. And so the, uh, so the baby calves are taken away to keep the milk flowing. Uh, the, the female calves become four-legged milk pumps like their mother. The little male calves are destined to be slaughtered at four months for veal. So they're put in this veal pen. There's a little crate to chain by the neck and they, so, they, so they can't walk around and get their flesh uh, uh, red and, and, uh, and tough. So sorry for all the, the grim details. Why am I saying this? Because I saw this poster and it's of a, it's a male veal calf in the pen. You're looking at him from behind and he's turned and he's kneeling down in his own manure there because that's the reality of it and he's he's turned around and he's looking at you with those big calf eyes or baby calf eyes and the and the the caption below it is are you really that hungry you know that you would pay to because every time you buy that Greek yogurt, every time you buy that cheese or sprinkle that Parmesan, you're saying take another baby calf away from its mother and, you know, and cut its throat and, do, and, and perpetuate this. And my heart knows that is so wrong that no matter what else I'm doing, I can't contribute to that. I remember the, the most painful auditory memory I have in my head is the sound of a mother cow locked up in the stanchion on our farm. My uncle had just taken her baby calf away, who was 10 yards away in the veal pen. And the mother calf bellows hour after hour, day after day, the most heart-rending bellows, uh, because he her, just lost her baby. And, and I knew that Dairying inherently is so cruel, I, and we're paying for that with our purchases. And I, 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 I'm never that hungry that I would contribute to that kind of suffering. And the little chicks that get, that get crushed and their heads cut off, all that stuff, I can't contribute to that. So I said, no matter what I'm doing, I know it's going to be, uh, you know, in, in the plant-based world, I'm not going to contribute to that kind of cruelty. And so, so that's been my guiding star, my lodestar. As far as the form of whatever it is they're going to be doing is going to is going to take, um, and so it's you know and follow your heart. If you know down deep you're contributing to something that's just wrong, then there's got to be another way to do it. And and let the, let the truth be told, though the heavens fall. You know, follow your heart uh, because uh, the. <clears throat> Because you'll 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 trade a big part of your soul. You may do it for money. When when I left anesthesia, my parents went nuts. You know the money you're walking away from. They said, "Do you know how much an anesthesiologist makes? You're you're going to be a poor primary care GP. You're you're going to be limping along paycheck to paycheck." And they were right. But uh, and and I've got anesthesiology friends who are uh, much much wealthier than I am. But they're unhappy. Uh, uh, it's a wonderful specialty, but uh, um, they're, they're finding it in the long run unfulfilling. I'm finding my uh, uh, medical work just so fulfilling because I know uh, it's you know what I was destined to do. 
So follow your heart and, and you'll be taken care of. I've, I always feel, you know, if you're, when you move in truth, a thousand unseen hands help you along the way. Money will appear. People will appear. Opera, opportunities will appear. If you just take, put one foot in front of the other, visualize your highest self, the happiest self, the one making the world a better place, really increasing love on this planet. And it'll all work out. You know, you know, the, the money will be there. The people will be there. If they'll, they'll be attracted to you because you'll they'll know you're a person in harmony and in congruence. You'll be in your power. You know, you'll be able to get things done. But if you're doing it just for the money or just for the status or just for whatever, it, it's all, it'll turn to ashes in your mouth. It, it won't work out well for you. But if you're really following your heart and... Uh, you can put your head on the pillow every night saying, yes, you know, as a, uh, I've got more love into the world today. And remember the smile I put on that child's face. Uh, then you're, you're a happy person. If, if I leave this planet tomorrow, I'll do it with a smile on my face. I can't shake my chest saying, why me? I'll, I will say thank you for the opportunity for 73 Aww. years of loving and service. I'm a happy guy. Oh, you are. And you emanate that. And that was so beautifully poetically said. Thank you. Um, one more question I have for yep. you. So I've seen you now. I've, I know how you exercise. You're so good about exercising and you're so good about smiling and you're so good about all of that. And you have this beautiful, amazing, loving wife that I adore. And so you do take, you know, you do take care of yourself. You do still, you know, focus on being your best self in the most inspiring way. So how do you stay? How do you deal with choosing you when so many other people, family and friends and patients, and you have audience and fans that are demanding your time and attention? Oh, my. Um, I get up early. Uh, and, to, and to do that, I go to bed early. I, I, by, <laughs> by 9, 9.30, but 10 o'clock, man, I'm horizontal. I, I just can't stay up <laughs> like I used to. Uh, and, but I get up at 4.30 or 5. My eyelids pop open. And I use those morning hours. I get my reading done. I get my best writing done. Uh, and I love just, I just listening. I love the, the quiet and watching the sun come up. Uh, and then use uh, every little, there, there's so many five-minute crevices and 15-minute pockets during the day. Use them. Uh, you know, have, uh, have uh, open documents in your computer to, to work on and emails to answer. You know, get the most out of every, every moment. Uh, if, you know, fill it with happiness. But uh, you know, we're only allowed 24 hours in a day and uh, use them to, to the utmost. But... Uh, but do, do it with things that uh, make you feel happy. You know, like there's an old saying, you know, you, when you walk through the cemetery, you never see a, uh, a, a tombstone that says he regrets not spending more time at the office. You, know, <laughs> you, you, you never, you never say, see that. So uh, leave time to smell the roses, watch the birds and love somebody, hug somebody, smile at somebody, check in on your neighbor. Uh, use these strange times to grow and make yourself healthier, eat better, Get to get more sleep and uh, and do what you can do to uh, to increase the love in the world. And you'll be happier for it as well. Oh, you always make me happy every time I hear you or talk to you. And I can't thank you enough for sharing your wisdom, your profound wisdom, and everything. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so I'm so honored. 
Well, thank you, Juliana. This is uh, it's always a delight to work with you in any capacity. And what a beautiful thing you're creating here. And, and talk about putting love out in the world and putting vibes of sanity and, and hopefulness out. You're doing a beautiful job of it. So it's, a, it's an absolute honor and delight to, to work with you on this uh, broadcast. Thank you so much. And keep up your great work. You're a ray of sunshine and we really need you. Ah, oh, thank you, Dr. K. You too. Be well. Stay well. When you move in truth, a thousand unseen hands help you along the way. That is so extraordinary. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And if you are inspired and enjoyed the Choose Me Now podcast, please subscribe to the show, rate and review us on iTunes, and send us an email with questions and comments at chooseyounowpodcast at gmail.com. For nutrition services and more information, visit me at plantbaseddietitian.com. I invite you to choose yourself now, and I'm signing off with lots of leafy green love.